This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Basically. Before I introduce today's episode, I want to thank those of you listening who are Headstuff Plus members. You guys pay five euro a month or whatever you can to support the podcast so that we can keep making great episodes, but also you get access to bonus material. So you hang out with me once a month on Zoom, you get to ask questions face to face and uh, you get access to extra bonus episodes. Thank you so much. Uh, For those of you who want to become Headstuff Plus members to get that bonus content, to get to hang out with me once a month on Zoom, you can go to headstuffpodcast.com forward slash register and you can join the community. Today, I have a very exciting episode for you. Last minute, didn't know it was happening, but it did happen. It is Professor Luke O'Neill. Luke O'Neill, as you take a gulp of your coffee, um, op- do you want to open a biscuit before I we start? I would like to. Thank you, Stephanie. My, my payment is a nice biscuit. Just throw me over one then. Do you want, which one do you want? Whatever one you don't want. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the cheapo one. Go on, throw it over. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, sanitize it. Lovely. This is lunch. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> okay, you've had a breakthrough. You've had a breakthrough. Well, Tell us what we, is new. We, we, we might be onto something. We've made a discovery in our lab every day almost. We're, we're working so hard on, uh, on the dreaded COVID, as you know, and we may have a way to stop clots. All of them? Even the AstraZeneca ones? Yeah, possibly. But certainly the clots that happen during infection. Because remember, this virus does clot your blood and that's yeah. one of the serious consequences of COVID is a, is a coagulopathy as we call it and we've discovered a way to manipulate clotting we think now again not in patients it's in a test tube uh, but we've got evidence to suggest this might be possible you know and so what we do now is we submit our paper to be published to get it out there mm-hmm. into the big world does and that then, mean that you would give someone the the vaccine or whatever it is that causes a clot and then but like it, does aspirin not just do that it, there's various anticoagulants, obviously, enough. Aspirin is one of them. Mm-hmm. Heparin is another, for instance. But this type of clotting that you see during infection, it's called immunothrombosis, to give it its new posh name, because the immune system is causing the clotting. Normally, right. you get a clot if you cut yourself, and a clot will form and seal off the, the So wound. it's a good thing. We need our blood We need clot. clotting, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but during an infection, the clotting is slightly different. Okay. And so the regular anticoagulants that would stop bleeding in a normal situation or whatever don't quite work as well. And we, there's a need for new anticoagulants anyway. Like people still have strokes. And even though they take low-dose aspirin, my nana was on warfarin. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. They, they, they work. They, these they will work, prevent. but they're kind of annoying because then like, if you have to have emergency surgery, you can't because your blood is too thin. That, that's right. And like yeah. it ended up, yeah, she got very, she had internal bleeding because right. of it. It's like, you know, the, the DVT in your leg is a deep vein thrombosis. That's the blood being sluggish there, not flowing enough and the blood starts to clot. Warfarin will stop that. So will heparin. The, if you have an infection, it's a much more complicated path because okay. the immune system is now Involved. triggering clotting and then it kills people. I mean, death from COVID is a huge amount of clotting in your lungs and in your heart. And all so that why that. is there such a saga about the clotting involved with some of the vaccines when actually the clots from COVID are a much higher Absolutely. risk. The, well, the great data last week was there's a 1 in 28,000. Now, this rare type of clotting, by the way. Yeah. So, so the type of clotting the, va- the vaccine causes looks really strange. It's not like regular clotting, you know. Okay, we haven't seen it before. Well, they've seen it in a, strangely enough, and this is a paradox, and, and us scientists love paradoxes. Heparin, which stops clotting in a tiny number of people, actually provokes a clot. Which is very strange, you know, because it's still be stopping clotting, you know. And yet it's still used wildly. It's still, because it's so rare. Yeah. It's called heparin-induced thrombocytopenia, HIT. 
Now, the guys who saw this with the vaccine, they were like house. Remember that guy? Yeah. He said, oh, this looks a bit like HIT, which is very rare, you know? Yeah. And it is very similar actually to HIT. So, so whatever's happening, that virus, or the vaccine rather, is provoking the immune system to one in 150,000 people, they get a very strange type of clotting. It's called VIT, vaccine-induced thrombocytopenia. Now, what's very interesting is you still see this very rare type of clotting in one in 28,000 cases of COVID, okay? COVID, not the vaccine. Not COVID, yeah. But meanwhile, at least sort of X 20, 30, 40% have uh, the other type of clotting from the virus as well. You uh-huh. know, so in other words, this virus is triggering clotting, either the common type or the very rare type. Now, remember, the vaccine is one in 150,000. So you compare those two odds and you realise I will have to take the vaccine because I have a higher risk of this rare type of clotting from the virus. You know, and then that debate was happening over the last few weeks. But it's complicated because what does one in 28,000 mean? It's very hard for us to get our heads around these types of risks, you know. So hence I have sympathy for people who say, like if I was to say to you, I'm going to give you this cup of coffee, there's a one in a million chance you're going to die. You may decide not to drink the coffee even though you know in your in your brain it's one in a million. Yeah. Your gut is going, I'm not having that coffee. You know, so, yeah. so isn't it funny? It's the human reaction to, uh, to, to, to well, risk. But presumably it. like there is a one in a million chance very often of dying from a cup of coffee. Anything could happen. But there is, you can scald yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that there's such a lens and a focus on COVID and the vaccines and everything mm. that we're being extra vigilant and cautious or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what's new with what's new? What's new with the vaccines? With the we have the Johnson and Johnson, but it's now what being used yep. for the under. It seems like there's loads of vaccines that you can use on over 50-year-olds, but, yeah. but the under 50s only get... Well, even I have trouble keeping up with it because they keep changing it every day, don't they? You know? Yeah. But no, it's good news today because first of all, Johnson & Johnson can be used in the over 50s, which is great. Mm-hmm. Our fear was it would just be for the over 60s like AstraZeneca. That would have meant we leave it on the shelf because we've enough AstraZeneca for the over for 60s. For the over 60s, yeah. I guess that's why they made that decision actually to get Johnson & Johnson out. They also said under 50s, it can be used in if they're in a certain situation, like they're hard to reach people who mightn't come back for a second shot, you know, for example. So so it will be used widely now, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Secondly, they said AstraZeneca can be used in the over 50s, which is great. Okay. And I think that's so important because the over 60s felt victimised, remember, and I understand and absolutely identify with them. They were told, here's a vaccine that we're worried about. We're only going to give it to the over 60s. You know, th- th- that would worry anybody, you know, even though the, the risk is rare, you know. Mm-hmm. And thankfully now, it's not just them. It's the over 50s as well. So they don't feel quite so lonely. And then very importantly, yesterday, the leak, as you probably know, one shot of AstraZeneca. For people who've had COVID, clinically for, diagnosed. For, for, for people, no, no. Now wait to hear this. At least that's my reading of it. Uh, so they've said, look, if you have one shot of AstraZeneca, four weeks later, you can behave as if you're fully vaccinated. I thought that was only if you'd had no, COVID. No, that, that, no that, that's with the Pfizer. Okay. So Pfizer is if you've had, well, the Pfizer is if you've had an infection and you've one shot of Pfizer, now you're fully vaccinated. Okay. Okay. And then you can, and then you have to wait two weeks actually till you're fully vaccinated. So now this gets complicated in terms of timelines. So what, if you have one shot of AstraZeneca? One shot of AstraZeneca. Four weeks later. Four weeks later, you're now free to pick up the vaccine dividend. But does that, do you have to get the second one? Yeah, that's still advised by the way. You see, see what happens here is by the way, the first shot of any of these vaccines you're putting on your suit of armour okay and you're now protected right the second shot reinforces the armour and tightens up the screws a bit so it makes it a bit better you know okay. we know one shot of AstraZeneca is giving 77% protection so therefore you can now take a risk it's all about risk again so you can go indoors with someone else go indoors and very importantly a grandparent can meet their grandchildren 
four weeks after the first that's shot. And that's great for them because they were in their 60s thinking it's going to take 12 weeks for that. Remember, yes. remember the before this announcement yesterday, they were told to wait 12 weeks and now they can meet their grandchildren. Now it's four weeks. It's great because it gives them a bit of release from this, you know, so I'm delighted with that for them, obviously enough, because it's been torture for them, hasn't it? So it's great. Yeah. And then the other one's important though. Yeah, one shot of Pfizer or Moderna if you've been infected. What that means is a freeze up supply. Okay. You don't need to use do the you, second shot. At they, least in these few months you don't anyway. Are know. they making these decisions just to free up supply or are they scientifically Well, oh, they're scientific. No, no, I'm very happy. Okay. Because NIAC are following the literature and there were several studies showing if you've been infected and you get Pfizer, you have a fantastic immune system. Like I'm talking like six, sevenfold now ramping up after one shot. You know what I mean? Okay. Whereas if you hadn't been infected, you won't see the sixfold ramping up. So it makes sense then to say, look, one shot's enough, you know. And so what's the... So are we getting out of this? Like, is this is this no coming to an end? It. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 um, happy, <laughs> happy that I've ever been. And you're always I'm, pretty I'm, happy. I am pretty happy anyway. I'm going and hyper. sometimes I have to say your positivity, <laughs> like you're saying we're having. <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> it's not annoying, but sometimes it was uh, contrary to what government were saying, and then it was like, oh, I just want Luke to be in charge so that we can do what he says. Um, <laughs> but you can't be happy, too happy, clappy either. No. Well, I've always been positive because I knew we'd get to this day. And I'm so I'm relieved in a way because uh, I, I knew it was coming. And will we have to have boosters? Like, what is, how long for masks? Well, I think we've got, we got to take it stepwise now. So, so the first thing is, get to the 80% of our country being vaccinated with one shot. That's important. because now. What are we got, at now? I think we're about 30, are we 35 or something? Yeah, okay. So that's fantastic news. Now what that means is 80% of our people are wearing a, a, a coat of armour which will stop this virus and it's all the vulnerable and they, there'll be no more people getting really sick. There'll be no but more people might still get it. They still might catch it but it won't develop into a severe disease. Okay. And in that case then, why are people who are vaccinated given these dividends like they don't like people who are vaccinated don't have to quarantine let's say yeah but if if i'm if i'm in india or brazil or south africa and i'm vaccinated i can still bring that variant can't i you can but the other good news there is and this is two studies this week as well it, it, this comes thick and fast right yeah uh, two studies in america one was in a big nursing home yeah they were all vaccinated a healthcare worker got infected for some reason and brought it into the nursing home. And the big question was, would that person infect people in the nursing home? And first of all, you read the thing, this article, you go, oh dear, they did. Some people did get infected. Right. And it was a new variant, right? And the great news was none of them progressed into severe disease because okay. the vaccine gave protection against the variant. In other words, it won't protect you from getting infected necessarily, but it will stop you developing severe disease, which is what vaccination is actually all about. And another study in the Rockefeller University, again, two people who had been vaccinated got infected and again, it was a variant and they didn't get sick. You see? Okay. So in other words... We can't have a situation where they're going to say if you're vaccinated, you can't travel because there's a risk of you bringing a variant in. That means we're locked up forever. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I, I think that's that's the good part. Now we're waiting for more data on that. There are two quite small studies, so I'd like to see that confirmed just to be Safe. sure. Yeah. But I, we're all confident. Another great study was in the see the UK. I hate to give them credit; they're playing a blinder. Yeah, they are. You've got the biggest experiment in history going on in immunology at the moment where millions of people are being given vaccines in places where there's a virus that's infecting them and you can study them. You know, it's a bit like a Petri dish yeah. type thing. And a great study. The, the people have been infected 
and were then vaccinated with one shot of Pfizer. They had a massive immune response, as I said earlier. We're talking seven-fold increase in antibodies and T-cells with a single shot. Whereas if they hadn't been infected, they might have had a doubling, which is still good, by the way, but still great response. And more importantly, they took blood from these people and these, this blood killed the variants. Isn't that great? Oh, wow. All so, of them. Yep. So that just shows you. So in other words, if you have a massive immune response with an old-fashioned vaccine, it will give you protection against a new fangled vaccine that's coming along. Now, if that continues to be borne out, the worry of the variants begins to go away because it is still a worry that they might va- infect people who've been vaccinated and kill them, you know. Yeah. But this evidence is suggesting we need, we need to we need worry less about that. Now, again, work in progress, but all that data in the last week or so two or three very reputable studies support what I've just said, that the vaccines should make the variants less of a concern. And so if, so if everyone is vaccinated, let's say by, I'll be conservative, September, we yeah. have, we're up to 80%, then is that, is that it? Or is it now like, okay, so now we all have to queue up again for our boosters? But does that mean that we have to go into like more lockdowns or is it just like life goes on as normal, but we have to get boosters sometimes? The likely, well, we know what the vaccine dividend is. They've told us, remember. So two, three people who are vaccinated yeah. can now meet indoors with no restrictions. That can become 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, you know, because why not go from three to 20? But why, but they're yeah, doing it stepwise because okay. they're just going to watch that now and see if three people get away with it. Now they're bound to me. You know, it's just caution. Yeah. You see, the big fear we have, the only, well, there's two, the two fears we have are this, and Chile tell us this. In Chile, they vaccinated about 40% of the people and they began opening up and it came back with a vengeance and there was a massive surge and had to lock down again. Okay? But did they vaccinate, did it rise up in the 40% that were infect, uh, vaccinated or the other 60? It was a 60, mainly, yeah, exactly. Right, okay. There was 60% not vaccinated and then people's behaviour got loose again, travel was allowed. I mean, they opened up hugely, by the way. It's a big mistake. And it came back and back into lockdown. So therefore, what that means is you better get to 80%. Yeah. That's the first thing. Now, and we're going to do that. So that's great. And then the vaccine bonus means vaccinated people can meet up as normal, mm-hmm. you know. And then the other good piece of news this week was in Israel, a massive study in the Maccabee Health Centre, which is one of the world's best health centres. They looked at 230 different communities in Israel where the adults were vaccinated, right? Mm -hmm. And tried to see if the children became infected. Now, the children weren't vaccinated. And guess what? No infection of children, hardly. So that tells us that we may not need to vaccinate children because as herd immunity is built up in the adults. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And now there's no, there's nobody got any virus anymore, basically. And or if there is, it's low-level infection. But you can tolerate low... We'll have to tolerate low-level of infection anyway into the future, you see. So so what, what all that tells us is by the time we get to September, remember the EU want 70% of Europeans to have two shots, mm-hmm. which is the suit of armour reinforced, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great. And if that's the case, you have to begin to think, well, let's now begin to slowly move back towards, you know, having a, a, a nor- the dreaded word normal society where things are reopened. Yeah. And Israel, everything's open, remember. They, they've limits on numbers gathering, by the way, indoors. So that's the still, there has to still be restrictions. So what percentage of people are vaccinated in Israel? 100% have had, oh, wow. about 90% now have had one shot. Okay. I think half the population have had two. And so what, it, should they not be 
unrestricted in terms of their indoor gatherings or? I, I think what's probably happening is we're, we've been beaten up by this virus and we're all in post-traumatic stress. Okay. And you know, if you're in a car crash, even if you're out of hospital and you get back in your car, you're still a bit nervous, you know? So it's that kind of thing, I think. It's a bit mm-hmm. of cautiousness based on human psychology, partly. And still the fear over the variants, even though I'm giving you good news about them, we still need to watch those carefully. The worst case scenario is we all get vaccinated and we suddenly realise, hang on a minute, people are getting sick again because we're all out in the open and we're spreading everything and it's a new variant and now there's people back in hospital. You know, that that's the fear we have as we come towards the autumn. Yeah. And we got to keep an eye on it. But the way things are going, that'll be less of a fear. You can imagine if we get to September and we've evidenced the vaccines are protecting against the variants, well then there's no reason not to be really thinking in a positive sense about yeah. how, how, we re, how, how we go back to society as it was, you know. So that, that's what the future is going to look like, I think. Well, you talk to me about India and what's happening and why it's so scary and what's going to happen. Well, again, sadly, that was a case of mass gatherings. I mean, they, yeah. loads of religious festivals and all kinds of things. They The they, footage from it seemed mad. Like well, it was they were madness. literally climbing on top of each other. I but I suppose it's, it's a very dense population. Yes. And there was a sense that they had achieved a lot of success, a bit like us in December. To be honest, India, Stephanie's like what we, we were like in December. Yes, it's so they opened on a up huge scale. And people went mad and began to join themselves, understandably. And their religious fest is very important to them and fantastic, you know. Yeah. And then the new variant, the B117 is 40% more transmissible. That makes it worse. Yeah. And then bang, the numbers go up like a rocket. And then secondly, a very difficult healthcare system where it's under siege and, you know, it's bad, but there's a very bad health system in India, you see. So again, that makes things worse anyway, you know. So it's a combination of those things we think that's given rise to this massive increase in India. I saw, um, I was listening to a podcast about it last night. There's, you know, they say like, oh, there's 300,000 cases reported today. And they're saying, well, actually, that's just the limit of how many people we can. Yeah. It's actually probably 10 times that. Like yeah, Three exactly. million people yeah. in a day. Well, it's a natural disaster. It's like yeah. a tsunami, you know, I mean, awful scenes, isn't there? Terrible. And, you know, we, we, obviously what's happening now is the world is responding, which is great. The EU and the US are sending in, uh, look at the oxygen thing. One of the biggest sort of, what's the word, sad aspects of this to me as a scientist was they, they were able to make oxygen on Mars. Did you see that? The science, there was a robot up there right, that okay. began making oxygen on the day they ran out of oxygen in India. Now, oh would you mind God. telling me this is a severe imbalance, isn't it? That is shocking. <laughs> so Elon just Musk. Awful. Well, it's awful. They think no oxygen. It's so now they're scary. sending in loads of oxygen. Of course, they realise that is it. And what is design. the sort of global balance of until everyone is vaccinated, no one is vaccinated? Well, the debate will move on now to that. So here's a question for everybody to think about: If we vaccinate everybody over thirty, right? Everybody in the world, or everybody in Ireland? In Ireland, in Ireland. Yeah. Why don't we give our vaccines away now to the developing world, who have loads of vulnerable people over thirty who are getting sick and dying? It's an ethical question there. Because remember, if you're under 30, it's a low-risk disease. It's, 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 there's no... But if uh, our under-30s aren't vaccinated, are we not more at risk? Like if I'm walking around pennies and I'm vaccinated because I'm over 30, but there's two people behind me who are in their 20s and they yeah. both have it. Yeah. Well, you're protected because you've been vaccinated. And even if you get infected by them, it won't develop into severe disease, right? Okay. They have, they have benign disease. You see, we normally vaccinate children because they're at risk of the disease, remember. We give them the measles vaccine, the because polio. Because it's really severe with them. And children, they're going to get infected. With this one, this isn't the disease that affects you. Now, they're obviously rare, tragic cases. Jesus, I'm, I'm yeah. not downplaying the, the, the sadness of it. It's horrible, you know. But by and large, it's it's a very rare case that people get severe disease under the age of 20. So that, that gives rise to the ethical question. If there's loads of people over 70 in India who can't get vaccinated, why wouldn't we give our vaccines to them? You know, because yeah. they're more in need than we are, you know. Now, the argument against that is to build up herd immunity, 
to, to get full coverage in the population and stop the virus and get rid of it, you know. But say if we reach herd immunity, say we have 100% vaccinated kids, everyone, yep. everyone in the country is vaccinated and everyone in England and America and all these places, but we can't open the world again. Like we can't open international travel if that's happening in, if there's a variant in South Africa that's, that's right. running rampant or India. We can't allow people from India in. Well, the sec- so the first question is, do we give vaccine away? The second is going to be, if we've mass vaccination in Europe, uh, what do we do then with the risk of a variant coming in to break through the vaccine? That's the issue there. Because the longer the vaccine, like every time the vaccine spreads to someone to, from another person in India or anywhere, there's a chance that it will develop a variant yeah. that is... Precisely. Every time it divides, it randomly reassembles in a way into a different form. And the question is, is that new form now malign? You know, yeah. it's this random process. So the more it's like rolling dice in many ways, you know, you're going to get snake eyes now and again. And that's a nasty variant. So we have to vaccinate those countries. That, that's the answer to this, yeah. you see. Widespread vaccination. And it will happen. So what's happening now is uh, they're allowing factories to be built in these developing countries to make their own vaccines, which is great. Mm-hmm. There's talk of relaxing intellectual property to allow any company in the world to make the vaccines, which would be great as well, by the way. So they know they need to do this. Definitely. I saw that Moderna were going to do that. That's right. Yeah. Well, there'll be pressure on them watch to do it. So we have to get the vaccine. If you think about it for a minute, Ireland or Israel has to become like the world. Yeah. That's the only way to really get this on the run. Otherwise, it will. there's a risk of it coming back. And what about things like, uh, you know, the way you don't have to quarantine if you have an, a European va- recognised vaccine? Like, are vaccines not vaccines not vaccines? Like the, the Chinese, the Sinopharm or the Sputnik, like they're doing what they're meant to do, no? We don't have enough data on the Chinese and Russian vaccines in a sense. They haven't been done in the same way as the other vaccines in that but not much has been published on But they've been working in the them. countries that they're being rolled out in. They are working but there's allegedly Sinopharm was only 55% efficacious for instance. Okay. There was also a worrying thing yesterday where the Brazilians mm-hmm. have discovered that I think it's Sinopharm that vaccine looks a bit strange. It's got an what's well, called an adenoviral vector and some of them had live adenoviral vector not not deactivated vector in it you know oh, so you're putting actual activated virus into no it's not it's not covid it's it's the adenoviral vector itself okay. you know but even still that wasn't disclosed you know and there's, that could be a, it could grow in your body you know so so there's uncertainty around the chinese and sputnik vaccines now you're right there is good data there they've been in millions of people but the regulators now are looking at those just to assess them the hope is they say, yes, these vaccines are fine, you know, and certainly the Sputnik V, the EMA, is looking closely at that one. It's been in a lot of people. So if we're lucky, all three of those are just as good as the others and then we're fine. But you need a process of regulation there, don't you, in a sense, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that in my line about the Nelta. I'm just saying that these need to be looked at carefully. But how does that work with like an international vaccine passport? Like if you have received Sputnik or Sinopharm and you're fine in your country but you're not allowed into Europe like when is that going to Well that's really annoying people in Dubai and places for instance because they've had Sinopharm and the EU are saying we don't count that one so you can't use that on your, your, your certificate at all and that means you can't come back to Ireland potentially you see so what people are doing there is they're looking for Pfizer you know in other words I want to come home so I'm, I'm going to scratch out Sinopharm and get another vaccine now you know the ideal would be for the EU to say yes that vaccine's fine and off you go. That's not the situation at the moment. There is pressure on the EU to do that because so many have had that vaccine. And do they, 
Is it just about them acknowledging, yes, we accept that this is a good vaccine or then would it be like, and we are going to distribute it here too? You can get Sinopharm. Yeah, yeah it could be both. Yeah, I, I think, to be honest though, we have lots of other vaccines coming anyway. How many do we have coming? Well, we have Novavax is the next one and that's a really efficacious, very safe vaccine. They're now looking at that closely. Is it one shot? It's one, is it? No, it's two. They're all two shots. The only one that's one is Johnson & Johnson. All right. Okay. Uh, the other one then is CureVac and then the other one is Valneva which is a great vaccine, looks like, to be honest. They've just started their phase three trial, as we speak, uh, and they're comparing it to AstraZeneca head-to-head because ethically you can't... Now, here's a good one. You can't do a trial anymore with an unvaccinated group. Oh, yeah. Because that's dangerous because the virus is out there. You've got to compare it to another vaccine. So we're on a head-to-head trial of AstraZeneca versus Valneva. Let's hope Valneva works. And that one will work against any variant, we think, because, because it's the whole virus. Deactivated. Deactivated. Like Sinopharm. It's got loads of things to fire at, not just the spike, you see, because the variants are escaping because the spike is changing in them, you know. Yeah. The virus can't change everything, you know. So in other words, Valneva should protect against variants is, is our prediction, which is great. And even if, you know, there's some issue with Valneva, we don't know the trials are done. They're making vaccines against the variants now anyway. And by the time we get to the autumn, there will be vaccines available for all the main variants. And that'll be your booster shot, which makes sense. Right, okay. You give the booster, though, not to everybody, just to the vulnerable and the older people. Because because the, the only reason we're vaccinating everybody is to get rid of the virus. Yeah. I want to tell you about another podcast on the network that you should be listening to. It's called Double Love. Do you remember Sweet Valley High? Well, I do. And I loved it. And in this podcast, they go through each of the books, one by one by one, talk about it behind the scenes, stuff you remember, stuff you don't. It's really fascinating and give it a listen. If you don't like it, choose something else, but I'm pretty sure that you will. This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written. Or ghostwritten. If you ever read about the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, Elizabeth and Jessica, with their eyes the colour of the Pacific Ocean, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. But of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnappings, stolen boyfriends and seemingly mandatory school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. I have a question from a listener. Um, my mom and her brother are totally against the vaccine, which has meant that I have been bombarded with videos and, in inverted commas, facts on why we shouldn't get the vaccine. One that keeps getting fired at me is around some of the vaccines being able to change your DNA. Can you please clear this up for me? Does any of the vaccines have the ability to change your DNA? I personally would be getting a vaccine regardless because I want to have my life back. That was a long-winded question, but thank you. No, that's an important one. I mean, all this is understandable. I mean, people are anxious and... Endless talk of vaccines in the news and worries about this, that and the other. So these questions are always very good. There's no evidence at all that any vaccine affects your DNA. And in fact, you can't even think of a way it would do that. You know, it's an outrageous enough thing to suggest even, you know, because there's no actual biochemical mechanism where it could interfere with DNA, you see. So no, there's no concerns about affecting your DNA. So what is the argument that like it gets in and alters your human composition? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But that's not like physically or chemically possible. Well, the, the sad thing is, in some ways, the, the anti-vaccination people will have various strategies to worry people 
one of which is this will change your DNA. It'll modify you as a human being. It'll implant something in your DNA that will reprogram you, or it might damage a fetus in your womb, or it might make you infertile. These are all wrong, and there's no evidence for any of that, right? So if they make a claim for that, they should show the evidence. If they produce the evidence, as a scientist, I'm honor bound to look at the evidence. And evaluated, you know. Yeah. There's no evidence. <laughs> and, and of course, you can claim anything, can't you? The reason why science was invented, by the way, in the 1500s was to show evidence to support what you're saying, you know, and, and that's what defines science in many ways. So, but these, these rumors and it can be malign, you know, I mean, they target pregnant women to say, don't take this vaccine because so, it'll yeah, damage there was your an, fetus. There was an announcement that pregnant women are now going to get the vaccine between, let me think, 14 and 33 weeks. Yep. Does that mean that they, well, like, you probably won't be able to answer this, but is that does that mean that if they are anyway getting the vaccine, it should be between those times? Or are they going to be a cohort of people for whom it's going to be priority? Yeah, I think that's, again, a safe, uh, probably give it to any, any weeks, really, you know. Yeah. But they're playing it very safe, obviously, with that and going to that time frame. And that means, in the opinion of the regulator, it's very safe to give for, for women in that situation, you know, with any with any fear, any any worries, you see, and, and of course it's a risk benefit thing, because we know if a pregnant woman gets infected, that can be very severe, mm-hmm. and can give rise to preterm labour and all kinds of complications. You see, so we don't want that happening. The risk from the vaccine is minuscule. So again, you're weighing up the two there. You see. Well, I didn't tell people that you were coming on. I just had that one question. So people are going to be raging that they didn't have a chance to send in their questions. But it was a last minute decision to get you to come yeah. over for biscuits. I'm going to come for the biscuits. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're there for you. Um, so what else do we need to know? What, what, do, we, what do we need to look out for? Yeah. Everything's kind of going swimmingly now. We're getting the vaccinations. So what could go wrong? A variant. Well, we still have to proceed cautiously in the next three months. As we've just been discussing. In terms of restrictions. Because Chile tells us that. They all went mad and it all came back. So just keep steady. Now we can steadily release things week every two or three weeks, you see, just to keep an eye on it. You know? Yeah. And it's looking good and the roadmap looks great. Like in June, we're going to reopen all the outdoor pubs and restaurants. You know, you can see that the, the roadmap looks very sensible to me. But they're going to watch it closely. And if case numbers go up again, why would that happen? Because we're all ganging into rooms at 100 people, you know, or... Yeah. This kind of thing, you know, or a ver- one of those variants might be slightly more troublesome. Then we got to think about going backwards a bit, you see, until we get this to the point of mass mass vaccination. So and it's then about ha- like ramping up vaccination oh, that's right. at the, the same time. It's the only game in town in many ways now is mass vaccination as quick as we can. And we look at Israel in awe. They've reopened, basically. Now, the, the restrictions in Israel are interesting. They're limiting numbers of people indoors. You still wear a mask, you know. And there's a few restrictions. But but in general terms, it's looking pretty good in Israel. And we will now follow Israel, basically, and become in a similar situation, you know. So so I think that... that so the, but the trouble is, we just got to keep telling people, don't be going too mad. G- give us two or three more months yeah. until we get two shots into as many people as we can. And then I'll be very, very surprised. Have you had yours yet? No, because I'm not eligible, you see. What age are you? I'm 56 years of age. Okay, yes, even another few. Few, yeah, and I got into trouble over that. This is another great story. Did you hear this? So no. I, I was on with our friend Brendan. Yeah. And I mentioned to him in the break, oh, I haven't been vaccinated. You haven't vaccinated? I said, yeah, I said, I'm not on the front line. He said, we'll talk about that. He said, so Luke, come out. I said, yes, well, I'm not in the hospital. I'm not. My lab is across the road from us here. Yeah. And I wasn't eligible. And he says, oh, they'll say Luke only is a hero because he hasn't been vaccinated. He's sparing his vaccine for someone else. And I said, no, they won't. They'll come after me for refusing the vaccine. Lo and behold, all of Facebook, O'Neill refuses vaccine. Oh my God. Now the journal 
debunked it. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> At least I can explain. And I, I'm not eligible. Three in my lab got vaccinated. They go to the hospital from Pierce Street up to James's. Yeah. They get the clinical samples and we measure things in them and then come back to my lab. So they got vaccinated because they're seeing patients basically and are certainly yeah. handling samples. But the other people in my lab, we, we are not seeing patients. So we, we weren't eligible. So I'm waiting. Like everybody and people had. skewed that, that you had refused Turned vaccine because somehow you don't trust vaccines. That's right. And you've been talking about it for a year hey, and well, a half. Like, well, they, love, they love to accuse of hypocrisy. No, yeah. <laughs> there is that hypocrite. He's, he's, I would take the vaccine through my eyeballs at this stage. <laughs> this stage yeah. It surely shouldn't be too much longer now. I think it's, well, I'm in my 50s. So uh, it'll probably be in about three or four weeks. When are you due? Yours. You'll, you'll probably be in July. Oh, you? like, yeah. So I'm 33. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you'll be probably July. And I'll be getting one of those mRNA ones. You probably will. Yeah, because you'll be I'm, getting the best. You'll probably get Johnson, will you? I probably will, the way things are looking. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly. Over 50. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it Take it with great pleasure. Let's put it that way. You know? This is great. Well, I don't have any wedding questions for you today. Well, I'm Luke, disappointed. So I'll let you go there. I was preparing for a few weddings. Well, what were the guidelines? Is it 25 people outdoors? I think, well, it's 50 people in a church, but right. still six people. Now, when this podcast goes out, Michal Martin will have made his announcement, so yeah. it will be clarified. But as it stands today, Thursday, the 29th of April, before Michal's speech, it's like 50 in a church, but still six at the afters. But that will obviously I change. thought it was more outdoors, though. I, I gave a talk yesterday. Have you had an outdoor to, wedding? Yep. I gave a talk yesterday to a bunch of sixth years in a school, right, on Zoom. And then I gave my talk and then three of them said, can we have our devs? <laughs> and I said, in a field. Because you can, outdoors. Right, okay. You can have a marquee with all the sides up. That's fantastic. And let the wind blow through it. It's great, you know. So so that that's the advice. I think you can have 15 people outdoors at your wedding in a marquee. With a marquee. The sides up. In a freezing, freezing marquee. Yeah, in a freezing marquee, that's right. Alan wants to know if he can have 100 people at his wedding in September. In September. Let me try and think about that for a minute. There's a chance... But no, a, I'd say it's I don't 50, think so. 50. I mean, the trouble is, that 50, 100 people indoors are very unlikely still, sadly, you know. Uh, but they'll be moving in that direction. Watch. Can I have 30 people at my wedding? Yes. When are you, when's yours again? Here's July. Like, July. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not allowed. Sorry, lads, it's not happening. No, it's not happening. I have one more question for you, Luke. What would happen if someone took all the vaccines? Well... Now, we're well used to giving what are called polyvalent vaccines. So you have three or four. MMR is a good example. No harm. Measles, mumps, rubella, yep, all in one. That's three separate vaccines in the one tube. And in fact, every every winter they give two or three flu variants. So there shouldn't be any issue giving more than one if you really wanted to take several of them. But you don't need to. <laughs> Would it give you like super immunity? No, no. What They're so good, these vaccines. A single one will do the trick. Let's put it that way. You know? Although when we do move to the autumn, we probably will have three, two or three variants. In the injection, that makes okay, sense. Okay, because we're well. getting a booster. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So like, you know those people who've gotten Sinopharm in the UAE and they want to come home and now they're looking for Pfizer. Can mm. you get Pfizer after you've had Sinopharm? You can, yeah. There's no, but there's no even a logical reason not to. Right. And in fact, it can work even better because they're called heterologous vaccines, by the way, where the second one, the second, the booster is different to the first one. That's not uncommon. So there'll be no issue with, with getting Pfizer as, 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 your, as your second shot, you know, so that's fine. Right, well, that's good to know. Fun. Thanks for joining us. Um, Luke O'Neill. As ever, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the biscuits. Lovely biscuits. Thanks, Stephanie. It's always a joy to come over from my lab, which is two minutes away. Yeah. In case people don't realise. That's the only reason that, he's, <laughs> that he's always on here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Basically. As I said at the top, please become a Headstuff Plus member and uh, join our community. Hang out with me once a month and get access to extra bonus material. 
Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Kahal Gara, and we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.